Happy Thursday, everybody. Good to see you. It is a perfect, beautiful day, and uh, it is a good moment to be in the Word together. It's 10 o'clock, and uh, I'm Tim Harris, so it's time for 10 with Tim. Let's jump right in. We're in Isaiah chapter 58 today. We go verse by verse through the Word of God, through the Bible, and we are actually wrapping up Isaiah. It's a long book, and I knew it when we started it. This is a long book, 66 chapters. We've been at it for a while. We're probably within a few days of finishing up those, so uh, I'm glad that you have been with me on this journey. Isaiah chapter 58 uh, is what we're doing today. Um, probably uh, of nearly all of the chapters in the book of Isaiah, I've preached in 27 years, preached this chapter maybe more than any other, um, primarily because Isaiah chapter 58 will preach itself. I mean, you've read it, I assume. By now you've read it. Um, it is just such uh, an indictment. I mean, such a wake-up call for the Sunday morning church crowd, which most of us probably are. Um, and it's interesting how very false our worship can be and how we are often um, very, very ignorant of our own fake-out. I mean, you know what I mean? We, we, it's a show, but we believe the show, and we don't understand how far away our hearts can be from God because we keep showing up at church, Right. And that's where chapter 58 of Isaiah comes in. You ever heard of a lover's quarrel? A lover's quarrel is a quarrel between two people who actually love each other. And I think Isaiah chapter 58 reflects a lover's quarrel. I do believe that the people, they don't see themselves as sinful. They don't see themselves as false at all. They see themselves as very dedicated religious people, just like me and you. They see themselves this particular way, and they do not see themselves the way God sees them. And that's why Isaiah chapter 58 holds um, a brutal kind of mirror before their faces. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Of course, they act so pious. And that's where it starts in verses 1, 2, and 3. Look at those verbs. They act they seem, they act like, they, uh, they pretend, you know, all of those words that show that true worship is always more outward than inward, you know. But as far as they're concerned, they, they believe the whole thing. They're pretending, but I think they probably don't think they're pretending. They probably think it's genuine. It's interesting how we as religious people can compartmentalize our lives so totally. In other words, my church life becomes very separate from my life life. Do you know what I mean? I'm saying the falseness of your worship on Sunday is always revealed in your selfishness on Monday. But we don't see that, you know, because our church life is so completely compartmentalized that we never even think of the contradiction. You know, the way we praise God in heaven on Sunday and then gossip or otherwise, you know, use the same mouth to uh, ridicule, uh, ruin those around us for the rest of the week. We say that we love God, but we do not love other people. And, and that reveals the falseness of our worship. Understand, if you go to church every single Sunday and it doesn't give you a softer heart toward the poor, a softer heart toward those in need around you, if you go to church every Sunday and it doesn't give you compassion, your worship is false. 
You know, if it doesn't, if, if the way you love God doesn't make you love other people, you're doing it wrong. I mean, there's just no other way around it. They act so pious. They seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a religious nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They pretend they want to be near me. Um, and then they say, you know, God, why aren't you impressed? <laughs> you know, that's why I say it's a lover's quarrel. They're like, we're doing our part, God. What is your problem? You know? Well, God, what is your problem? And the truth is, for God, the people, they are his problem. And so he goes on, I'll, I'll tell you my problem. I'll tell you why. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. False worship is almost always entirely focused on ourselves. We do it to please ourselves. And so on Sunday, it becomes, you know, gosh, was I comfortable? Did I like that sermon? Was I entertained, you know? Uh, did I like the music? You know, did the people around me, were they distracting? You know, and, and on and on we go. Um, I guess a lot of it can be revealed by what you talk about in the car on the way home from church. You know, I'm like, what is it you're still talking about? Are you talking about the music? Are you talking about, you know, the lights? Are you talking about, you know, the lady in front of you that couldn't seem to make her kids mind? Are you talking about the mess somebody left in the pew? I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, that's probably a pretty good gauge of your heart for worship. What, what are you talking about on the drive home? What are you still thinking about, you know, over, over lunch? What's the conversation like? Um, this is the kind of worship I want, verse 8. This, I mean, 6. This is the kind of fasting I, I want. And, and God says, free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Do not hide from relatives that need your help. I, I love that one. Everybody's got that, you know, like that, you know, your deadbeat brother-in-law, you know, who calls and you, you know, let it go to voicemail. I mean, the Bible clearly says don't do that. Don't hide from relatives who need you. Uh, it's a really devastating kind of passage. It, it really, really is. Uh, the, the bottom line is uh, God's eyes are not closed to those around you who need your help. You don't see them. You've trained yourself not to see them, or you've trained yourself when you see somebody in need you can immediately rationalize why they don't deserve your help. Well, they just spend that money on drugs when you don't know what they would spend that money on. Or, you know, uh, uh, you know, let, let somebody else help them. I mean, on and on. I, I work hard for my money. They should probably go get a job too. I mean, uh, it, 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 and, and I'm sure there's some truth to that. There are definitely some people out there who probably are scamming us. They don't need our help. But I don't always know. I don't always know who's, who, who desperately needs my help and who doesn't, you know. And in my life, I've just kind of decided that I would rather um, make the mistake of helping somebody who didn't need my help than to risk the mistake of not helping somebody who did need my help. And as I said, it's not that easy to look at somebody and know. And so again, if you're going to take a risk, take a risk on maybe getting taken advantage of as opposed to taking the risk of leaving people out there without your help. Because this is what this passage tells us. The, God sees those people. God knows their need. God does not close his eyes to the people in need around you. But if you don't do everything you can to help them, God just may close his eyes to you. I mean, that's what Isaiah chapter 58 says. I love verse 10. New Living Translation says, feed the hungry. Help those who are in trouble. Uh, the actual Hebrew there says, uh, spend yourself. 
Spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry. And, and I like that. Spend yourself. Um, one of the most interesting uh, articles about poverty that I've written a long, long time makes the sort of radical uh, assertion that poverty is not lack of money, but lack of friends. And, and, and stop and think about that. You know, if, if, if I were homeless, for example, it doesn't just mean I don't have money for a place. It means I don't have people. Like it would, it would take me a long time to be homeless because I got a church full of about 700 people and, and I, they'd all let me sleep on their couch at least one night, you, you know? If you see a homeless person, if you see a person in radical poverty, they don't have any friends. They, they don't have any people. And so it's, it's people that the poor need. They don't just need restoration in terms of financial you know, help, financial peace. Uh, what they need is restoration to the community, restoration to people. And that's why in verse 10, spend yourself on behalf of the hungry. In, in other words, don't just give money to get rid of them, which is sometimes what I do. You know, The easiest thing in the road is just give them $5 and keep walking, as opposed to stopping and, and finding out their name and trying to figure out the best way to help them and find out if they need Jesus. I mean, you know, it's just easier to pay them $5 to stay out of your life. But that's not how it works. Spend yourself, verse 10 says, spend yourself. In other words, it's not so much that you got to be willing to empty your pocket or empty your purse. You got to be willing to empty yourself. Spend yourself on behalf of the hungry. What does it say? Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be bright as noon. In other words, when you reach out your hand to lift up somebody else, the person who gets lifted up is you. Have you never experienced that? You help somebody and you think, my goodness, I think that did more for me than it did for her, you know? And that's exactly what verse 10 says. You spend yourself on behalf of those in trouble, and then the light's going to shine on you. Your night will be bright as noonday, you understand? You reach out your hand to lift up somebody else, and the one who gets lifted up is you. So again, Isaiah chapter 58, a pretty good evaluation if you want to check your own worship, if you want to see how true your own heart is. The best way to judge your uh, worship on Sunday is to watch very closely how you treat people on Monday and, uh, and the other five days of the week. Uh, I love you guys so much. I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with 10. We're going to do Isaiah chapter 59, 21 verses. Isaiah chapter 59 for tomorrow. Listen, it is too pretty to be inside. Get outside, breathe some air, see some sunshine, listen to the birds, and thank God for every good thing he has made for our enjoyment. I love you so much. See you in the morning. Uh, have a great day.